0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Stories from the Influencer Economy. This is your host, Ryan Williams. Each episode of this podcast, I speak with a maker, creator, or entrepreneur launching the next big thing in the digital age. It's all about reaching your next opportunity with takeaways and lessons. You can go to InfluencerEconomy.com for all of my archives, 115 episodes so far. And I'd love for you to sign up for my email list where you'll get a handbook, on how to launch your business, collaborate with influencers to thrive in the new economy. Influencereconomy.com is the website. Really psyched, Corsi, want to introduce him real quick. He's the managing partner of Tomorrow Ventures, LLC, and it's a Palo Alto-based investment firm. So he invests in startups, giving them capital, which means money, or counsel, which is help and mentoring, to build successful businesses. He works with high-net-worth families. Uh, one of the people who's part of this network is Eric Schmidt, who is the executive chairman of Alphabet, which is the company that owns Google. And He works with 110 direct investments with his companies. He's also part of uh, Rendell Corsi & Company, a consulting firm. He's got a fascinating career and drops a lot of knowledge bombs and wisdom around how to build community, build networks, and help others succeed to thrive with your business. So Court, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hey everyone welcome back to stories from the influencer economy this is your old pal ryan williams here at the rhino lab all about reaching your next opportunity my guest this week is court corsi welcome court
1: thanks so much ryan it's great to be here oh it's great to be here thanks so much
0: yeah so i ended up running into you at the milken conference in los angeles this week and excited to have you here because we've been emailing and calling to get you on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. And your podcast is so great. So I'm excited to be here. And uh, what a great week at Milken. And know? we
0: were there with a lot of leaders around the world, like uh, philanthropy and finance.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, Milken, in my opinion, is one of the best aggregator events in the world. Um I think uh, I think this year there was like almost twenty trillion dollars in wealth represented at this conference. So when you think about that, what is it? There's, I think, seventy five or eighty trillion dollars worth of wealth in the world, and almost a
0: quarter of it was represented here uh, this week. It's That's pretty amazing, astounding, in the trillions of dollars. Yes. So what would you what, what do you mean by aggregator conference? It's I, I,
1: for for me. I think that it's where some of the most powerful people in the world um, end up in the same place at the same time. Um, It's a great place to be able to connect with people you already know as people that you don't know as well as people you don't know um, for potential partnerships and the like. And it, it makes it incredibly efficient given how uh, even though we're in the stage of deglobalization, it's still, in my opinion, in a very globalized uh, world. And so it would take me probably six months to do the same number of meetings um, that we did this week. I think this week we had uh, 54 meetings over wow. a four day period. That's
0: insane. Yeah. And to your point about deglobalization, it, it seems like it's a trend right now. Maybe not for the long haul. Right. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about networking, global relationships you've built through your company. And really, through your career as an entrepreneur, and now you're a, an venture capital investor. So, what I find fascinating about your story is you've you've pivoted quite a few times from politics to finance to car dealerships to now, you know, working as a startup investor. So, let's talk about you know when you started. When did you start your first business? Uh, when I was 14 years old. I uh, I want to interrupt you. Yes. I I hate to say this, but I always hear these entrepreneurs. They talk about the 14 year old business. And I want to call bullshit on a lot of them okay? because I barely, I had a lemonade stand, but that wasn't a business. So I want to put that out. I have high hopes for this story.
1: So I started a business that uh t-shirts to church basketball leagues. Actually, uh, I had gotten in trouble uh, for something and owed my parents uh, money. And my dad told me I was going to have to work it off uh, working for my grandparents landscaping business at minimum wage. And I think I did that for about a week and was like, that's <laughs> not going to work. Uh, so I started a business that brokered t-shirts to church basketball leagues and uh, led me then to my second business at the time I was 15. Uh, I started a business that uh, bought in, uh, that planned kids' birthday parties, uh, everything from invitations to clean up and think I had made uh, over $50,000 by the time I had graduated high school. Oh, so, wow. Yeah.
0: And that was in Atlanta? That was in Atlanta. And then you went to college at Boulder, I in went Colorado, to the
1: college, college at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Uh, actually, I met my business partner, Derek Rundell, my uh, freshman year in college. And we've now worked together over uh, almost 20 years. I wow. Guess. Yeah. 20 years this year. So crazy.
0: We saw him this week at, a, at dinner. Yeah. And so you guys met in Boulder. And then what type of opportunities were you creating for yourself in college to start business? So I started a business
1: in college. A friend of mine's dad was getting ready to sell uh, their uh, plane. And I asked how airplane brokers were compensated. Uh, I went home and was like, that's a lot of money. So I called him back and said, if you give me the listing on your plane for 60 days, I'll do it for half the commission. For some reason, uh, he agreed. And I had then hired a pilot that helped me with the technical aspect and marketed it to everyone I knew that had an airplane, might need an airplane or had a lot of money and had the plane under contract 35 days later and uh yeah um uh, built that into So you uh, ended up
0: like saying i'll take a less commission than any other broker yes because you're hungry you're like you know it wasn't like a, your professional job yeah and this
1: is back in the old days where there was fax really and so i'm faxing out to <laughs> every person that i knew that you know might need an airplane and uh yeah so um, and then you had a car dealership well so that that comes later in the story okay. uh yeah keep so, going so uh we uh after college I took a year off and I ran the finance office for my mentor's first gubernatorial campaign in Georgia. I was twenty two at the time, raised him about six and a half million dollars in six months. Unfortunately he lost for by about two thousand votes, but uh Fortunately for me, he would built a multi-billion dollar New York stock exchange company and he helped me grow my airplane business. And then that led me into the technology yeah. world. And uh, we sold one of our first companies to WebMD in December of 98 when they were a small private 200 million dollar company. Helped our buddy uh, Jeff Arnold uh, raise a bunch of money and six months later uh, merged with Healthion in about an eight billion dollar transaction. So a nice little win for our shareholders. Uh, had some smaller successes, had some failures too, all the good learning experiences of an entrepreneur. And then um, randomly, we got introduced to Michael Jackson. Uh, and we'd create a concept uh, about two years prior to American Idol, where Michael was going to pick the next superstar. And, but unfortunately, he decided he didn't want to work. And through a random series of events, we uh, ended up running everything in Michael's organization for a couple years. Um, yeah. And then that <laughs> through another Did you rant, Go to
0: Neverland ranch,
1: we spent about four days a week at Neverland. Wow. Uh, it was, Michael was just such an incredible creative genius. Uh, truly, uh, you know, uh, truly unbelievable in, in, in so many ways. I know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there there are a lot of, uh, a lot of varying opinions on him, but uh, when it came to creativity, he's uh,
0: definitely the most creative person. So by this point, your career's taken a big trajectory. Now it's really common in the digital economy, in the new world of business creation, to pivot quickly. You're, you have a, one job for a couple years, you know, like your example, you were a little ahead of the curve. Because most people like, you know what, you're in your 40s? Yeah. And so your 40s, most people like, from you know, I'm in my late 30s. Our eras like have had more stable careers where they stay in one industry. No, you know, you're exactly right.
1: I think that, and that's that's one of the things that's uh, allowed us to be successful. We've always been open to, uh, you know, uh, the different opportunities and uh, doors that are provided to us. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, view life as a big mosaic, and whether it's a positive experience or a negative experience, I believe that everything happens uh, for a reason. So you've just got to have your eyes kind of wide open and uh be looking for the opportunities and i think that's one of the things that's allowed us to be uh to be successful uh you know from our entertainment and media experience it allowed us to um that we we were shown an opportunity in the buy here pay here uh use car space and grew that into uh about a 22 store chain that we sold in uh, december 2007 so pretty decent what was that called uh it was called smart move auto okay so uh yeah. And, and then uh, he'd become social friends with uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, executive chairman of uh, Alphabet at Google. And he'd spent a bunch of time at uh, our homes in Colorado and thought was going to be our next uh, investor in our next entrepreneurial endeavor. And about seven years ago, he asked if we'd set up a direct investment vehicle for him. And if we did it uh, for the first couple of years with just his capital, he'd let us work with other families. And so... Uh, Today we work uh, with Eric and a few other families and, you know, but going back to your question about, you know, uh, the pivots that we've had, what's been so interesting is how relevant all of our varied experiences, uh, you know, over our 20 plus years in business uh, are to what we do from uh, a venture side. And not only a venture side, we still incubate companies uh, today. So uh,
0: So when you're talking about like Eric Schmidt, because you're your career at that point you're an entrepreneur you're a business person and you've built all these properties and these companies and you've sold some and you know others you've had success and like you mentioned failures but absolutely then your career is going in a whole brand new direction this door is opening to where you're going to invest other people's money other people's capital other people's hard work into ideas for companies that you think need to be made because people are building these awesome products and these great ideas so what's that like when Eric Schmidt, who started Google, or what, did he found Google? Or was he uh, CEO? No, he
1: was brought in as CEO a few years after uh, Google so was found him. So he's,
0: you know, have amazing, successful, you know, track record in his career. What's it like when someone like that says, here, here you go. Like, oh
1: my goodness, it's it's amazing. I mean, Eric's one of the, literally the smartest person I know, and definitely one of the smartest people in the world. So it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, but you know what? I think that uh, you know my business partner Derek and I are are really well equipped from that because we we do come from the entrepreneurial side as well, and so we're not only good stewards of capital, but we also understand where entrepreneurs are coming from when they come to talk to us or we invest in uh, in their business. And so th- that's really important. I mean, I get asked the question all the time, why do you do what you do? You know, the number one thing is I do it because, you know, I en- enjoy delivering great returns for our investors and making money. But, you know, my primary non-monetary reason is that I love helping other entrepreneurs make their dreams a reality. So you have
0: a curiosity and oh absolutely want to solve problems and fix things and
1: totally we're definitely problem solvers i mean we we look at businesses and i mean whether i invest in a business or not i'm always one of the first people to go oh how do we you know how can we be helpful how can we you know you know here things that you should be thinking about you know you know because i think it's always good to uh you know i i know for me when it's businesses that we're incubating or businesses that we're invested in i always want to seek other people's opinions and, and and hear what feedback is you know um you know for better or worse it's always good to- well, i
0: think that's a problem right now in our country is that people don't want to hear from anyone who disagrees with them mm-hmm. across everything like that's like and that's what really makes your business better that makes your ideas better, that makes your government better. Because you're like, look, I have something here, I think I'm right, but you disagree on me. And rather than shy away from that feedback. Right. It's actually constructive and healthy to say, Okay, you don't like it, poke holes in it. Let's collaborate and build it together, right? And get uh, absolutely. that investment.
1: Absolutely. And, and and you know, and we can also walk away from a conversation and agree to disagree. I yeah. mean it's like uh you know, when I solicit people's opinion, I, I want to hear what they say. Yeah, doesn't mean I'm going to agree with them every time, but I, right. I appreciate that they've taken the time they've to even think it. about it. And and, they're being thoughtful you know, about it, and absolutely, they, yeah. So so I want to do the same thing. Uh, you know, when I come across other entrepreneurs that are trying to solve problems in the world, you know, you know, I always like to uh, to try to be helpful. It's uh, you know, for us, uh, we've we've built through our you know varied varied industries over the years. A pretty substantial network and so if we can you know be helpful to people in other areas you know we like to do it
0: and so with Eric you know it's, anytime you get money from someone whether they hire you for a service or a skill you have or you invest their money in companies there's got to be trust Absolutely. and so what do you think you know Eric for example believed in you like why did he trust what you do I th- I think all that comes down to personal relationships, and
1: you know I think that it's the same level of trust that as a venture capitalist that, that you know the number one thing that I, that I look for, and I'm going to a- answer your question in a roundabout way is that when I when I invest in someone's business, I believe that they have to be clever enough to know when to pivot and not lose my money and uh be a good steward of capital and I, and i think that was the same thing with uh with eric with uh, us as well it's so, like you judgment uh, you know, I, uh, judge judgment my, being you know <clears throat> i i've heard from other people that when uh eric describes me to other people he's like uh court court's always clever um, you know, so I, I assume that besides the level of trust, it's the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're good stewards of capital, we're clever, we're thinking outside the box, uh, which, which obviously is important.
0: So I've had this conversation a lot with people where many companies that are uh, able to, to articulate themselves have a no-asshole rule, mm-hmm. and really it comes down to you want to work with people that had the same vision, values, ideas. They want to work together to solve problems. And people that, you know, take away or are assholes are d- detriments. And now you can be more clear in that. I think that was something people like held back in the past because you couldn't, you didn't want to be mean or offend people, but really like, do you, do you believe in a policy like that? Oh, absolutely. Like we, for, for, for
1: us, I believe life is too short to work with people that you don't enjoy. And that's whether it be entrepreneurs, people on your own team, whether it be your LPs and investors, it's, you know, life's too short. And so, so for me, that's, that's a big, that's a big criteria is as we look at potential opportunities is, are we going to enjoy this? And don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that everything is, you know, fun and you know awesome every day but like are you going to be intellectually challenged and is it people that are collaborative that you can work well together with um that are trying to solve a problem versus people that can sometimes be impediments and uh yeah be jerks pain in the asses yeah impediment equals pain in the ass it's it's not worth not worth doing it if uh you know if if you're not getting some sort of personal uh, fulfillment out of that you know i i i think you can go to the extreme um i obviously you know there's a fine balance i mean i know when we're looking to hire people i see an really interesting um in terms of people that are just coming out of college and everything sometimes take that to the extreme in terms of coming in to interview for a job and present their list of demands on yeah. in the working environment. So I think that's a little, uh, crazy. That's, but that's where I go back to that. It's not about it just being, you know, uh, happy all the time, but it's more, is this, uh, stress is, is this a healthy relationship, um, versus toxic? And I think that's, that's really important in business. And so, you know, that's kind of how, how we look at it.
0: And so ultimately you know, the network you've cultivated, the relationships, the friendships you've had, you go to global events like Milken. And how do you think that someone listening here, you know, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, and, you know, they don't necessarily know much about venture capital in Des Moines. There's a tech community there, but a lot of people there have small businesses. They have businesses on the side, like side hustles. And they're curious about launching their own small company that could be an e-commerce platform. What would you say to them that you've learned about, cultivating really strong relationships that you could, you could recommend? Cause you mentioned before, you know, you have a database and you actually keep a list of your connections. You have what, 1,600 people in there? Uh, no, like over 15,000. 15,000. Okay. Yeah.
1: So a database is probably one of the best things you can do uh whether it's you know you're just starting out as a student or you're established in your career it's never too late to uh to start a good database it's one of the things that um when we lecture at universities or you know even to my god kids i i tell them this it's start a database, you know, uh, contacts in, um, Google docs is a great place uh, to start or within Gmail. I'm sorry. Um, and keeping good notes, you know, everything, not just their contact information. It's not, you, we were talking earlier. It's not just about getting someone oh, business yeah. card and like making a numbers game. It's about having a real connection. Um, it's about making notes where you met that person, what they're interested in, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses, if they mention that they know, such and such person, having that ability in there. Because, you know, I, I believe that the world is so interconnected that, you know, you come back and reference these data points at 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 multiple points in time. And it's just uh, so, so
0: helpful. Do you use like a software?
1: So, so we actually use, uh, we use something proprietary in-house and then we also use um, uh, interface with uh, Google Contacts as so well, so.
0: Google, is that in Gmail? Yeah, with Gmail. That- is that a separate file no
1: no i mean we we love the gmail app for that in terms Uh of it's it's just uh it's amazing i mean i i love it what's what's so funny i actually have a real world example about this uh we you and i had dinner with some friends the other night and i started talking with someone at the dinner and i'm like oh we've had a conversation before. And he's like, no, I I don't think so. (laughs) And within 30 seconds, I had pulled up my phone and I was able to tell him where we had met before, (laughs) when, when we uh, had talked and what we discussed. And he was so blown away that, um, he's like, oh my goodness. He's like, I I can't believe that you have the ability. And you went in the
0: Google Gmail app
1: literally while we were, while we were there, this guy's a profile. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. We talked, uh, December, uh, I think 18th in 2015 and who here's whose house we were at. Wow. And here's what you were getting ready to do career wise. And he was so amazed and you know what, that personal interaction right there and being able to have that recall created such a strong bond that, 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 you know, that works both ways. Like at some point in time, I'm sure, there'll be an opportunity for us to work with this individual. And you know, I, so I, I, that's I think cool. conti- contacts are probably one of the, the best things that someone could be doing. And there's, it's, it's never too young to start and never too late to
0: start. It's like your lifeblood. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, really, cause that's what when you get another, unless you're a brilliant designer or you have a trade, like a skill that's really specialized, like you're a great programmer, then, you know, that skill is important, but, your contacts are gonna get you the job with your skills. Like so many people, like I used to do up comedy and you would see these headliners that would come into town and they would have like, um, like Mitch Hedberg was one of my favorite comedians and he would have, you ever, you ever heard of him? He's like a Stephen Wright, yeah. you know, I mean, brilliant mind. He would have like an opening act and the middle act and those people all got their breaks through Mitch. So Mitch would get the headlining gig and then he'd bring his people on board and his friends. And it wasn't always the funniest comedians that were headlining right? It was people that learn how to build an audience and a community and loyal fans. And then also got the break because they had that contact that could get their foot in the door.
1: Absolutely. And, and that, and that's, you know what? And that's probably paid off for him and in, in multiple areas. I mean, I, I know that's for us. That's, that's a big thing too. You know, it's, it, as you build your network of contacts. It, it's, it's about connecting other people and, figuring again, again, like life is a big mosaic or puzzle that you're figuring out how all these pieces go together. You know, obviously there are times where you connect people and there may be an opportunity uh, to participate in some level financially, but for the most part, you want to be doing this because, you know, I'm a big believer in what goes around comes around so that it's like, okay, if you're doing good in the world and you can go help another entrepreneur connect with someone that may be helpful to them. Even if you don't get anything back, it's just doing the right thing. It's being a good person. And you know what? You know, I, I, I've seen it come back too many times and you just don't need to worry about, well, if I connect you, can I, can I get something out of it? The
0: second you do that, you set yourself up to be frustrated because it's never going to work that way. Nothing is ever that transactional. At least I, I, I'm a firm believer in the same philosophy. And it's like the second you attach a transactional element to it, it fails because your expectations are maybe never going to get met because no one's ever going to do quid pro quo. It's so hard to actually like, Oh, court helped me here. So I need to do these three things for him. That's, we're not programmed like that. You know, we're programmed to just, it's, this is how life works. You know, it's like the system. You either believe in the system or you don't
1: No, you're exactly right. But, but going back to your point about, you know, you having growing up in uh, Des Moines, Iowa is, uh, you know, first of all, it, it starts with just one person. Literally, yeah. e- just because you're not on the West Coast or in the Northeast Corridor, doesn't mean you can't build something substantial. I got to tell um, you a
0: story you just triggered from Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, I want to so hear it. I grew up in Des Moines. A buddy, I used to do freestyle rapping as a kid. Oh my god, that's so crazy! In parties, like we would drink beer, in, like high school, and freestyle rap. You know, in a baseball field in the middle of Des Moines, Iowa. Not a lot to do there. My buddy, Fat Rat, I was known as Rhino, right? Fat Rat. So Fat Rat lives in LA now. We got connected through another friend of ours. I hadn't seen Fat Rat in like 15 years. He works for Snoop Dogg and this agency called Cashmere. They do investing. But I ended up, help. I worked with them to launch Snoop Dogg's podcast. Wow. And it's a friend of mine I hadn't seen in 15 years. We used to freestyle rap in high school. And we just like picked it up, right? But it wasn't like we had to like catch up and think like, oh my God, what have you been up to? It was more like, dude, let's just pick it up where we are now. And then that collaboration, right? And he's like, hey, we need Soup Dog. We got to get his ghetto news network on iTunes. And so I launched it for him. We got like top 50 podcasts in like a day. Wow. And then they were like wrote me like a nice testimonial. I mean, it was like a great deal. Like I made some money out of it. And all that happened was this relationship that it's like, how do you keep warm? I mean, that's, I guess, the bigger question is because it's so hard to keep in touch with all these people. And me and him, we had this rapport going back. We used to freestyle rap. Like, that's such a random, funny thing in Des Moines, Iowa. And he's fat rat, and I'm rhino. But how do people keep in touch? Like, how do you keep relationships warm that are in the database?
1: You know what? It, it's that just casual reach out, you know, every uh, every few months, every six months. You know, even if it's once a year, it's just, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, can I do anything for you? Um I I'm good at it my business partner Derek is much much better at it uh he is uh the king of keeping all all the relationships uh warm and uh you know he he probably reaches out to to our contacts I would say at least every you know 2 to 3 months uh and you know but I but I think the biggest thing is is having a genuine connection versus just going for the card grab. It's...
0: Yeah, we're talking about how, like, it's almost a contest. You go to a conference and, like, you go home with, like, 50 cards. And you say you don't even keep cards.
1: No, I, I don't because I'd rather it be a proactive experience in terms of... You know, asking people for cards versus, you know, it, it's so hard when you go to conferences like Milken where you've got all these amazing, you know, super smart people. And it's like if you get into the card card swap game constantly, what happens is you spent three or four days at a conference, you know, where that's just amazing. And so you're already behind on work. And then if you're just in this card grab game, you come back and you've created you know, triple the amount of email traffic. And, uh, I'm not a huge email person yeah. anyway. I'd rather, uh, other forms of communication. I'd rather be spending time mm-hmm. one-on-one with someone yeah. versus, uh, electronic communication. So, uh, yeah uh, I, I kind of take um, a, a different approach when it comes to that but but you know b- back to your your outs you're in the middle type uh, type question it's like that's one of the things when we invest so so we we're probably unlike any other uh, investment firm out there in terms of we invest globally uh, we have no geographic boundaries and we actually find some of the best opportunities coming from outlier markets that aren't you know, New York, Boston, San Francisco, uh, LA. You know, we think they're great opportunities. They're smart people everywhere. So that if you're someone that is in Des Moines, Idaho or Phoenix, Arizona or Nashville, Tennessee, you know, there's no reason you can't build a substantial company as someone that's, uh, that's starting uh, in the Bay Area. But, but again, contacts is really important. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that I think companies are super successful um, in these primary markets is because it's very easy to build partnerships and, and relationships. So if you're gonna build your company in an outlier market, it goes back to what we're talking about. You gotta have this, you know, database. And it, it literally starts with kind of one person at a time and one relationship at a time and, uh, you know, and to, to build your company.
0: So what's a cool company that you've invested in like in an outlier or in a different market?
1: Uh probably Sharecare. Sharecare uh, is uh it in, based in Atlanta and which I'm where I'm from and uh, Sharecare was founded by uh Jeff Arnold who previously founded uh WebMD. Okay. And he co-founded that with uh Dr. Oz and it's, you know, uh a highly successful healthcare company today that uh, is is beyond beyond impressive. But you know we have a number of other examples as well. Chicago uh, is a great market. We have some investments in Denver. I think we've got investments in nine countries and twenty two cities. How uh, many total investments do you have? Uh, I think we have around I think one hundred and twelve direct investments today. But we're also a GP and an LP and a number of funds. So our indirect investments I think are close to or over
0: 2,500, wow. uh, which provides a lot of really interesting data points. And so when you uh, we wrap up in a, a, one, one or two final questions really is when you see people that are struggling through solving a problem and they're like in the trenches of their company and you look back at yourself, you're like, oh, I've been there, you know, I know what it's like, like you're trying to find the market, you're trying to make sure the problem is that you're addressing is right and you're growing your customers. Like what? What do you do when people like hit a wall? Because it's so hard being an entrepreneur. It's so you're lonely. Like you're by yourself. You have maybe you have a co-founder. Like what do you see as a way for people to like kind of keep pushing? Because really, so much of this, I, you can't understate perseverance and determination to be like, yeah, I got rejected five times by customers or investors in in an hour, but that sixth person I'm going to talk to is going to believe in me.
1: So, so a couple things, uh, you know for, for entrepreneurs, I think it goes back to, you know, getting out of your own head, um, and really trying to get other smart, good advisors. I'm a big believer in mentorship. So find someone that can be a mentor that can help be your coach and walk you through those problems and get you over, um, and get you over that hump. And, you know, realize that you're not in it alone, which is so hard because, you know, again, so many entrepreneurs are working, you know, 20 hours a day and it it, it is, it is hard. Um, but, um, but mentors, advisors, mentors and advisors is huge. I, for, for me, that's a huge thing, especially for first time entrepreneurs. If you're going to go start a business, you know, go surround yourself with other smart people that have been there and done that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, there are a couple companies that, that we're working with right now that have, you know, first time, uh, management teams. And I'm like, you know, yes, I understand the problem you're going through. I've seen this problem many times, many times before, you know, and you know, it's, it's having that, uh, that experience and, uh, knowledge base, um, to be able to work through. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, if, if it's not if 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 you've truly tried everything and it's not working then you know move on um, you know most most entrepreneurs aren't successful on their first time out and you know have failures that lead them to success and that they're you know I, I know for me, I've learned as much from the failures in my life as I have from the successes. Uh, you know, I think that they're all
0: really useful learning experiences. So yeah. Cool. Well, that's uh, this has been great. And, uh, yeah, the last question is going to be like, what is, how, what's one takeaway you could, you could explain to people about how you have collaborated with someone to really grow your own influence? So I, I really go back to, uh,
1: to my business partnership. Um, you know, I, I've worked with my partner, Derek Rundell for almost 20 years, and it's a kind of a divide and conquer, uh, mentality. And we have the ability to really go out and talk to our contact base and whether we're both there or whether one of us is individually there, we're really able to leverage and maintain a network, uh, in a, in a strong way. And, and, and again, let me tell you, partnerships are very, very hard uh, uh, and don't always work. And so for us, it's uh, it's worked well, and we've been able to uh, expand and really leverage our network uh, on on a global basis. And so having someone that you can that you trust and you can do it uh, together with is is really really so important. At the end
0: of the day, pe- people, people, people. Got to get the right people, the right co founder, the right partners. Absolutely. mentors, advisors, it doesn't matter even what industry you're in, what you do for work. Absolutely. And yeah,
1: and it doesn't just have to be, you know, a, a, a tech, tech related business. I mean, th- this, you know, all the stuff that we're talking about is, is important, whether you're, you know, going to expand an agriculture business or use car dealership yeah. business or whatever, this is, this is stuff that works in, in, in every industry. And, you know, and, you know, w- one of the things real quick, going back to back on context, that's so important is, uh, you know, besides just like high level partnerships, it's also such a great way to find team members for businesses that you're building and to understand and you know when when you're looking to hire someone to have a great uh, network to
0: be able to uh, rely on and go back to. core Corsi, we were in a room this week with how many trillions of dollars? I think at Milken Conference there was almost twenty trillion dollars represented. Okay, so if we can give people a tenth of a percent of that for their business after this conversation, <laughs> that would still be a billion dollars at least. Yeah. That's D- the, the take home value here. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And so wh- can we find you anywhere that you want to, yeah. The website or uh, yeah.
1: The- follow uh, tomorrowvc.com uh on Twitter, Instagram, everything else. It's all at court Corsi. Um, and so, yes, thanks so much for having me on. I Absolutely. look forward to talking again. Totally.
0: Tomorrowvc.com. We'll check it out.
1: All right. Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Core for coming on. Go check out TomorrowVC.com. Uh, we recorded that in his hotel room in L.A. after meeting at Milken, so super grateful he came on. Make sure you check out uh, all my work at InfluencerEconomy.com. As you know, from the last episode, I'm launching an online course this fall around the Influencer Economy book. It's all about how to brand your influence and own your influence in the new economy. So we will be launching. We'll have uh, cohorts of five people per group And we'll have a total of 100 people enrolled. So check it out, InfluencerEconomy.com. Hit me up with any questions on Twitter at Ryan J. Will. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a great night, day, or afternoon.